This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And here we go. Welcome to it. A um, An abbreviated edition of the program today. Only 60 minutes. NBA trade deadline and all. But just enough time to get some headlines, get some guests, get some context, get some perspective on what happened last night and what happens um, tonight and leading into this weekend as well. Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, exiting yesterday's Tampa Rangers game in a very gruesome way after being welcomed back after missing 17 games. You never like to see stretchers on the ice. We saw that. You never like to see players cover their face in a towel on the way out. We saw that as well. Uh, the Blackhawks, uh, who lost last night to the Minnesota Wild, uh, will face off against the St. Louis Blues in the Winter Classic next year at Wrigley Field. Talked about that yesterday. That's now official. Brendan Dillon suspended three games for his hit on Penguins forward Noel Achari. And Bill Guerin has been named general manager of uh, the United States hockey team, uh, both for the Four Nations face-off and the uh, U.S. Olympic men's ice hockey team, the 2026 U.S. Olympic squad. There's also Jack Hughes uh, is back for the New Jersey Devils. So that is a big one. And after Jonathan Quick beat the Tampa Bay Lightning last night, he is now five wins away, folks, um, from passing Ryan Miller as the winningest U.S. goaltender in NHL history. And I think we can all recall back in 2012 when Jonathan Quick was the best goalie on the planet, period, and he's still hanging in there. And again, to the question of who is the number one in New York, Yesterday raised more doubts if your answer is Igor Shosturkin. In the meantime, let's uh, join by Haley Salvian now from The Athletic and Sportsnet Hockey Commentator. Uh, also from the uh, PWHL coverage, as we've seen before countless times. And we'll get into a PWHL conversation with Haley here in a couple of moments. Haley, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, a lot to get to today, and I do want to get to some PWHL issues. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Michigan coach as well that you've written about at The Athletic. Um, mm. But really quickly, I'll touch on a couple of, of NHL notes here. Uh, I mentioned the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, a little bit later on, I'm going to be talking to Ed and Cena about the Tampa Bay Lightning in specific specific, and the Mikhail Sergachev injury. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the Dallas Stars and the Toronto Maple Leafs game last night. What did you see? What did you think? What stood out for you? Other than maybe, I don't know, Nylander's three assists. Yeah, I think, you know, it was funny because some of the takes I saw online after the first period, like, you know, typical... It was, you know, obviously it wasn't a great start. The Leafs come back and end up beating the Stars what, by four. Um, but some of the first period, um, like early game conversations of like, you know, my colleague and my friend, Dom Lustician, even he was like starting to think the Leafs need a new voice behind the bench. And then obviously they come back and win. And some people were taking the opportunity <laughs> to be like, and you were saying. Um, but I think yeah. it's like been very... Um, illustrative of the Leafs this season, right? As they beat a team that a lot of people see as a legitimate contender, right? Like I picked the Dallas Stars to win the Stanley Cup at the beginning of the season. I haven't fallen off of that. I've been on the Stars wagon all year. Um, yeah. The Leafs, they beat them. At, but it wasn't in like this particularly impressive fashion, which is weird to say about a team that can, you know, be down and then score five goals kind of just like that. But like, I didn't come away from that game being like, are the Leafs better than the stars? Could this be the Stanley cup mm-hmm. final? Um, I just think, no. you know, obviously the core four carried the game. Nylander gets the first power play goal. Um, Tavares, Matthews, Marner score, get on the action. And I think again, like this is just, 
kind of like the Leafs have their stars. What else do they have in terms of like meaningful production and depth? You know, Matthew Nyes had mm. one assist. Morgan Riley, obviously, I think some people, you know, consider him part of the core if you want to make it the core five. Um, but, you know, this roster is very much like we knew they were top heavy and that's even more so this year. The secondary scoring has not been as good on the Leafs this year. I think their blue line has not been as good this year and their goaltending has not been as good this year. And I think we kind of saw that um, in a game where it was really just the core getting in on the action in terms of the actual production. So it was a very, and then you throw in the reaction on social media and it was like a very 2023-24 Leafs game, in my opinion. They win, they end up winning, but there's a lot of like fires to put out a lot of people being like, what is going on? Like, this is a good team. They're not a great team. And I think we had this conversation before. We just had it on the Athletic Hockey Show. It's, again, one of those games where it's like, is this a team that's worth adding to, or should they just, like, wait for next year? Like, don't punt the season, but, like, maybe don't spend a bunch of first-round picks to – like, because what are you really going to fix? This This is a roster with flaws, Jeff, right? Like, the blue line, their secondary scoring. Are they – a Chris Tanev and Adam Henrique away from being a legitimate contender? I don't think so. So I would just not. Mm. <laughs> I I think we all wonder about the same thing. Is this the uh, the keep the powder dry season for the uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Brad Treliving? We know he wants to redo the defense. Uh, that's probably the worst kept secret in hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably something with the goaltending as well and the yeah. bottom six. And there's a whole, like there's a, a large menu here of what Bradshaw Living has to do. Do you want to yeah. try to force that just to do a little bit more in the playoffs this season? Or do you, you know, sort of let you know, the summer. Marner contracts, you know, start to sip itself out and start to yeah. fix these things in the summer? Okay. Um, also last night, Minnesota over Chicago, two to one. Pat Maroon back surgery. He is out four to six. And as I mentioned, New York beats the Tampa Bay Lightning by a final score of three to one coming out of that one. Then the Kel Sergachev injury, which was gruesome oh, to watch. Um, Haley is. It's, oh man, I, I just, like, A, you never want to see stretchers, and B, you never want to see a player covering his face with a towel as yeah. they get let off as well. I think um, you did can you read the social media post at Sergachev? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, did. Totally. Um, we talked about it um, on the Athletic Hockey Show today, too, and it was like, you know, even in the post, he was like, the, the pain meds are good, though, and it was just like, it was really sad to read the first half of him just saying like, why me? Why now? Why is this happening? And him just saying like, I can't come back from this, but like, this sucks. Like, this is terrible. Like I am not like, I am upset. Um, And it's that kind of like openness and honesty. Like I appreciate seeing that from anybody, like especially hockey players who are so used to being like closed off. And we talk about the media training, da da da. And I thought it was, you know, refreshing to read, but also obviously very sad, um, the context around it and the yeah. reason why he was making that post. Um, you know, I, I, I felt sad for him, you know, obviously it's not been a great season for him. I think even when he was in the lineup at the beginning of the season, it was a bit of a slow start for him and the team. Um, but then mm-hmm. to be out for almost two months and then this happened, you know, what a period and a half into his comeback. It's just, you never, it's brutal. I I feel so sad for him. And, and his presence on that Tampa blue line allowed them to get rid of Ryan McDonough salary cap Mm -hmm. consideration there for Julian Brisebois. And uh, things have not gone 
swimmingly, and the uh, the hospital bracelet has been very much an issue for Mikhail Sergachev. Okay, a couple yeah. of things here. Um, PWHL. So right now the rivalry series is going on. Big win for Canada last night against the United States, four mm-hmm. two. Uh, Jenner Belfast and Laura Stacy with the goals for Canada. Zumwinkle and Hughes respond for uh, USA. Uh, Marie Philippe playing with two assists. But one of the big stories around women's hockey right now, an announcement coming out the other day, March 16th and 17th, the PWHL mm. will play games in Detroit and Pittsburgh as well. Test yeah. markets for future expansion, <laughs> Haley Salvian? We're already talking expansion <laughs> in the PWHL? Yeah. Well, listen, the Penguins have been very open and honest, like publicly and on the record about their interest in having a women's pro hockey team in the city. Um, I spoke with Kevin Acklin about it for a story that we posted on The Athletic, I guess, two weeks ago now at the end of January. And, you know, he was fully like on the record. We like what we're seeing. We want in. We're trying to figure out how we can get Mm -hmm. in. Um, like they want a team and they are taking steps to get one. And that's what was so amazing when I had the conversation with Kevin Acklin, who's the president of business operations for the Penguins. And it was very much like, you know, we're already talking about like, where can they play? Okay. They could play at PPG, but maybe it's a bit too big. We have a lot of concerts. So maybe the schedule could be, you know, that's like a full service venue, right? Concerts, events, hockey games. It's like, okay, well, maybe we could expand our practice facility and Cranberry could be their home. We'll add a second. We'll add a third rank uh, with more stands, more locker rooms. Women's hockey can play there. Maybe RMU can play there. Um, You know, we could maybe look at the downtown rank that they built um, in the armory. Like maybe we could expand that. Like they are actively taking steps and like making plans and figuring out how this could work. Like, I do not believe it's a lip service by the Penguins to say like, yeah, we, we are supportive. Yeah. Like they are doing things to make this happen. And I asked Sydney Crosby too at um, all-star weekend, like, what do you think about having a women's pro hockey team in Pittsburgh? And he's also been open and honest about if the league is open to expanding and they want to expand. I think we've shown in Pittsburgh that it could work. We've shown in Pittsburgh that we mm-hmm. will support it. And I think it would be amazing. And I think having like Sidney Crosby's voice behind that is obviously huge for obvious reasons. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the league is looking at this like as like a test run, but I don't think it's a coincidence that the first two neutral site games are in markets that were in conversation to be original six teams, but didn't end up being them. Like the Penguins in Detroit were explored mm-hmm. as original six markets before they finalized with what they currently have now, which is Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Minnesota, Boston, New York. I don't think it's a coincidence that they are dipping their toes back into mm-hmm. the water of teams that they've previously explored as being PWHL markets. You know, there's a, there's a few. I mean, Washington has had strong yes. expressions of interest before. Um, yes. We have wondered about St. Louis um, mm-hmm. as a market. That's been that's been danced around. I think we've wondered Nashville about Chicago uh, as Nashville could be a lot of fun. And listen, like this whole thing is headquartered in Los Angeles. One day they're yeah. going uh, to have a franchise. I don't know when. Mm-hmm. Seattle has been a strong market as well. I can see them heading yeah. to Seattle. And I can see Vancouver making noise about all of this yeah. as well. They say nothing about one of the two Alberta markets. So For I sure. think there's a the bunch. Have one been of my questions is yeah, absolutely. They have, um, you know, there's a PWHPA, you know, when they did their, their showcases, there was always a, always a team in Calgary. Um, the, mm-hmm. the one thing that I, that I do wonder about here, like if we're already talking about, like, let's just be irresponsible Haley and get ahead of ourselves. If we're already mm-hmm. talking about expansion, like what would, ex- what would, uh, what would expansion already look like 
in the PWHL. Like we've seen, you know, most recent rounds of expansion in the NHL, Seattle, and what that expansion draft looked like, uh, Vegas, something similar. I mean, I have no idea how the PWHL would go about something like this, what the rules of it would be. Do you ever Mm -hmm. let yourself sort of get carried away with, okay, what does an expansion draft look like for the PWHL, comma, already? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. The one note, um, I know you mentioned Chicago, Jeff. I think Chicago makes a ton of sense, especially if and when they finish that big expansion um, of their practice facility. Like, I don't think, I think that's something to, like, keep an eye on of of that big renovation of their their practice facility. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of, expansion draft I think it's very interesting and I think it depends when it happens right like if they expand this year which I I would love if they had a franchise in Pittsburgh next year because I think there's going to be a lot of players who are displaced in this league like a lot of players are going to have one year in the PWHL not a PWHL career because there's so many few roster spots there's going to be Europeans coming over college players coming in and a lot of players are going to lose their jobs. So I would love to see a new mm-hmm. league and I, a new team, excuse me. And I think, you know, it's a lot easier to think of, okay, like what does an expansion draft look like when you have all these free agents? Like maybe like Pittsburgh just gobbles. It wouldn't be fair for them to get all the draft picks, but you know, some kind of like yeah. they get first run on free agents. Like they get that, you know, exclusive negotiating window with UFAs. And then they get, you know, the first overall pick. So they'll probably, you know, get their first run at UFAs and then get like Sarah Fillier and, and boom, there's your core in Pittsburgh. And then they can just go through the rest of free agency with all the other players who are done their one-year contracts because a lot of players are on one-year deals, right? So I don't even know if they'd have to do an expansion draft if they expanded this year because right. there are going to be so many free agents. Um, but if, if we're talking about three years from now, yeah, I think like traditional expansion draft with like protection would be really interesting. I do think though, like this has been a pretty hot topic in women's soccer. A lot of the players like do Mm. not appreciate or support expansion drafts. Um, it's like a lot of these women don't make a ton of money, um, comparative to their male counterparts. So like it's, it's a lot, it's a, it's a different conversation when we're talking about um, Brandon Tanev getting pulled to Seattle, who's making, you know, what was it like a few million dollars versus a player who's making 40. And all of a sudden it's like, well, my kids or my family's here and I specifically like signed in Toronto, but now I'm being pulled to Chicago where I have to get a visa and I'm not making that much money. And it's very expensive. Toronto's probably not a great example, but I do think the league would have to have like mm-hmm. a very legitimate like conversation about like, is this something that we want to do to our players while our league minimum is still $35,000 a year? Um, so I'll mm-hmm. be curious what that looks like. Honestly, I, I, we don't even know what the draft looks like next year. So I feel like I haven't allowed myself to get fully Fair. into the expansion mode. Cause like, <clears throat> I don't know if it's going to be just a college entry draft next season. Is it going to be, all free is it going to be you know european free agents and college players like what's free agency going to look like um so there's a lot mm-hmm. of questions around this off season and i think it's going to be um you know really interesting like last summer was obviously very intriguing because the league was getting started up and we had a ton of questions and that's going to continue this off season yeah. there's a lot of things that they need to kind of figure out and announce here 
glad you mentioned uh, Europeans as well, because there's, I think, three or four high-end Finns specifically who are on now on expiring contracts that uh, weren't able yeah. to come over uh, on, the, on the first round. And uh, one on of the them just resigned around. in okay, Europe. Before I... Oh, is, who did it? Who's, who resigned? Petra Nieminen, two-year contract. She's in until the end of the she Olympic did, cycle. Eh? Mm-hmm. Two-year oh, contract wow. with okay, Lula. So that dings yeah. the PWHL. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, before I let you go, I do want to get uh, an excellent piece at the Athletic on Jenna Trubiano, Michigan mm-hmm. coach. Give us the uh, if you can in the, in the brief amount of time that we have left here. Yeah. If you can give us the uh, the, the the thumbnail on, on what's on what's happened here. Yeah. So Jenna went pretty viral on at least on hockey Twitter and on, on social media because she posted her experience at an adult hockey league game. This was not men's league. I'm going to say that multiple times here in my quick yeah. rundown, Jeff. She's playing in an open (laughs) co-ed hockey league. And, you know, it's a non-contact league. So she was hit a couple times. She's like, whatever, it's fine. Like she got back up. There's a penalty called. But what upset Jenna was the fact that throughout the game, she was being told, this is a men's league, join a women's league. This is a men's league. This is a men's league. Consistently just told, like, you don't belong here. And so after the game, she went and confirmed with the league director, like, hey, is this a men's league? Cause if it is like, I'll go like my bad. And they're like, no, no. Like you are, you are allowed to be here. You're more than welcome to be here. She tried to speak to the guys on the other team. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to talk to her. They didn't want to apologize um, for, you know, just yelling at her and harassing her throughout a game that she was allowed to be in. So I spoke to her a bit and she didn't want to mm-hmm. talk about the incident anymore, but she just wanted to like bring awareness to the fact that like, People like women are still harassed in hockey ranks. They are still told that they don't belong, even though they do. And I just think like some of the reaction I've seen in to my story, to her post, a lot of just like, well, she should go find a women's league to play in. And for me, the biggest thing is like, if you're, if you want to go be a tough guy in a men's league, go find a men's league that allows hitting. Like, don't be the tough guy women don't belong here in a co-ed league that's non-checking. Totally. Like, if that's what you want, go yeah. find it and leave her alone. <laughs> yeah. So that's my spark note. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, listen, it, it, it's, an, it's an excellent piece. I encourage everyone to read it as well. I was really uh, happy to see the GTHL the other day uh, putting out on social media and reminding everybody that, you know, the GTHL is a co-ed league. It is not a boys' league. There is yeah. room for girls to play here uh, for as totally. long as they want and, and, and as long as they can. Um, and, you know, I'll think about, you know, someone like, you know, Cassidy Sove mentioned uh, Finland. She's now playing over in, in Finland as well. And she played all the mm-hmm. way up in the OMHA and the GTHL and went to the OHL Cup, et cetera, as the first female goaltender ever um, in the in the in the OHL Cup playing for yeah. Whitby, I want to say. So that would be OMHA. Nonetheless, um, an mm-hmm. excellent piece. Uh, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Uh, Haley, I know just a quick one today with you and me. It's a, an okay. abbreviated show, but thanks as always for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. The great Haley Salvian, uh, sports and hockey commentator, also from The Athletic. Um, and a couple of pieces you should read of hers that are up right now, most notably. She got a really good Q&A as well with Cassie Campbell-Pascal about joining the PWHL and a really good piece on Jenna Trebiano, uh, Michigan coach, and her experiences playing alleged co-ed hockey. Matt Marchese along with me here now. Uh, a couple of moments before we get to the bottom of the hour break. Um, standing out last night, and I'm going to get more into it here in a couple of moments uh, when we drill down on Tampa, uh, the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, first game back, Maddie, as you well know, and you're probably the same way, first game back after All-Star in the break, you kind of take it with a grain of salt and you say to yourself, all right, the first time they're out there, 
we might see more than just a little bit of rust. We saw that with the Boston Bruins against the Calgary Flames. Now, full credit to Calgary. They took it to Boston. Boston's going to be in an ornery mood when they face off against Vancouver tonight. Make no mistake about it. Uh, but that Rangers-Tampa game, the headline is Sergachev. Uh, the other headline is Jonathan Quick. The other headline is a big Rangers win and a, a floppy game uh, by the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. Before I get down to the bottom of the hour, more on it. Your quick thoughts on, on that one yesterday. Well, that Sergachev injury, you know, a lot of injuries oh, in, in hockey are freak injuries. Like, so some, you know, it's being in the so wrong bad. spot at the wrong time. The, like the way that it happened when you watch it again back, like when you see Lafreniere's leg get caught right behind Sergachev's, like that's where the injury comes from. And just like I got a yeah. sickening feeling watching it. And I'm I'm generally okay with injuries, but like I'm watching that and I'm going, oh boy. Like that that looks and feels yeah, long-term and we know it's going to be. Um, there's no way it's not. Um, but you're right. The, 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 the Tampa Bay game last night, I was expecting a little bit more because they were playing really well. And this is where I bet players absolutely hate the break because they were playing well going into the break. They had, you know, I think they had won seven of the last eight or something like that. And they were just playing really well. It's almost as if it's like, no, 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 don't end this thing. Like we want to, we want to keep playing here. Can everybody else have the all-star break and we just keep playing. And that's kind of what it felt (laughs) like last night. Um, you know, and the, and the Kucherov yeah. thing where, you know, the all-star game, all that's behind them, whatever. But I, I just, I agree. I, I thought that that game, I was expecting a little bit more from Tampa in that one. Uh, but I also think, you know, with that injury, they just got deflated. Like when, when you have something like that happen to a really good, it doesn't matter whether it's a, yeah. you know, a, a good player or not. It's a teammate. And like John Cooper said in his post game, like he's a, you have your family, but this is also your family. You spend a lot of time around these people and to see something like that, it kind of can deflate you. And I felt like that's what happened. Um, but on Jonathan quick, Jeff, he's going to end up being the starting goalie by, you know, in like three weeks, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> like I'm just, I love it. Dude, I, they, I love they, it. They, 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 they haven't, they, they, they're still coming shy of saying who's playing against Chicago on Friday. Right? Like, it's not yeah. like, okay, well, there's two games to Jonathan quick and just back in there against the Blackhawks on Friday. It's like, well, no announcement yet on who's playing that. I just think at the end of it right now, there's way more confidence that these Rangers players have with Jonathan Quick and that than Igor Shosturkin, which I can't believe that I'm saying here on, you know, February the 8th, 2024, that they have more. Like if, 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 if we would have gone back to the summer, Maddie, you and I just having a casual conversation late July, early August, and you said something along the lines of, you know what? I bet come February, Jonathan Quick is the number one <laughs> goaltender. Shosturkin's having a hard time finding his game. Yeah. I said, what kind of space cake are you eating, Marchese? Yeah, it would have tasted really good, actually, at that point. Um, but the other thing is, too, yeah. is like, I'm, I know you don't want, like, you want Igor Shosturkin to be the guy. Like, that I totally understand. But at this point in time... Yeah. If Jonathan Quick is the better goaltender, like the New York Rangers are in the business of winning hockey games right now. And if Jonathan Quick is the guy that's going to get them those wins, then there's no question that he should be the guy that's going to be starting the games here. Um, I don't think this is a question yeah. here. Like if if you want to play, if you want to play Igor Shosturkin against Chicago to get his confidence up, no disrespect to Chicago, but let's let's be real. If you want to play him to get his confidence up, that's probably the game to do it. But after that, like if you still have some doubt in his game, Jonathan Quick's got to be the guy that plays the majority of the games for the foreseeable future until he proves that he cannot. Like that's yeah. the thing, until he cannot. 
Yeah, the, the thing about the game Friday against the Blackhawks is for the Rangers and Shesterkin, like the one thing about Chicago without Connor Bedard, 11 goals in 11 games. Like, that's it. Yeah. This team cannot score goals, period. Now, does that make his Calder case stronger? I would argue no, but it does make his MVP case for Chicago a whole lot stronger. Like, already without Bedard, this Blackhawks team is totally lost yeah and that happened fast i don't think it does anything for the uh for the calder situation because he's not in and brock faber keeps playing great uh, i do think that you know uh bedard's you know, chicago blackhawks teammate alex vlasic needs a little bit more love here but nonetheless we'll park that it's going to come down it's going to come down to um it's going to come down to brock faber and Connor bedard when he comes back but this hawks team can't score it's it, it's it, it really is an awful thing two to one minnesota uh, yesterday, Patrick Maroon announced as well back surgery, four to six weeks. Oh, Patrick Maroon will be out. And don't look now. You see who's back tonight for the New Jersey Devils? It's always better league when who is in it. Is that Would that be Jack Hughes that I falsely stated was going to be in I the mean, lineup the other night? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's I got people wondrous. excited. We, nobody gets out clean in this industry. Again, <laughs> nobody gets out clean. We've all dealt out bad information before. I saw regular uh, yeah, practice jersey, jersey and got excited, Jeff. I know he was out, but he was out the day before on the regular too. I know. Listen, we're all waiting for Jack Hughes to come back. Uh, it's always a better league when he's in it. Let's cross our fingers that he doesn't find the hospital bracelet again. Um, game of the Knights. I mean, there's a couple of beauties like the Avalanche and the Hurricanes. That looks like that one could be really good. Um, Vegas has good games with everybody. So, okay, Arizona's in town. I know that hockey on the ice isn't the biggest Arizona story right now, but Vegas has good games with everybody. Jets and Flyers is certainly intriguing. The Jets are in a, a in probably a pretty pissed off mood uh, these days coming off of the break and what happened going into the break as well. Uh, Sean Monahan's debut, Mark Shafley coming back, and eh, didn't mean anything the other night, but the game of the night is early. The game of the night is one of the seven o'clockers, and there are five seven o'clock Easterns. Vancouver Canucks facing off against the Boston Bruins. You heard Montgomery go off on the Bruins the other night, right? Yep. After they lost to the Calgary Flames. And you know the history between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. And even though they don't meet very often, when they do, it's always special. We think of 2011. And that hatred still exists between these two teams. Because, amongst other things, there was that Stanley Cup final. One of the most emotional Stanley Cup finals we've ever seen. And quite bluntly, Brad Marchand is still there for the Boston Bruins. So that is going to be a gnarly Boston Bruins team that faces off against Vancouver tonight. Uh, your thoughts on this one quickly. I think that Brad Marchand is going to be very surly after what happened to him uh, at the hands of Martin Pozzo. Cross-check in the face? Yeah, I think I think Brad Marchand might be a little Hang bit on. pissed off. <laughs> so... So a, cu- a couple of things. So Marchand gets popped in the head by Pospisil, right? Okay, bad enough, and he's leaking and all that. What happens the next day? Pospisil gets a contract extension. I know. I saw that. No I was suspension. like, how, how ironic is that? No, I know that didn't happen in the moment, but it was pretty Life's good. Awesome. It was pretty Life's good. Awesome. But yeah, uh, awesome. we are, we are going to so talk about we are going to talk about this game uh, a little bit later in this shortened program. Um, so we will get to that yeah. one. But I, I, you know, Boston is Boston is just a team that you. You know, we all thought, well, at least I did, thought they were going to take a step back last year, and they didn't. And then this year, it's like, okay, this is the year they're going to take a step back. No Krejci, no Bergeron. And, and as Andrew Raycroft said the other day, like, Zaka, Coyle, they've been just fine, thank you very much. So it's they've been impressive. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one tonight. One of, 
one of the more stunning quotes coming out of uh, Raycroft yesterday in the interview that we had with him is that those two centers are trending to have more points than Bergeron and Krejci yeah. did last year. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Shocking. Huh? <laughs> uh, re- real quickly here, um, NHL players' safety. Dallas Stars forward Mason Marchment. Mm, you see this, Maddie? I did has not. Been, has been fined. $5,000. Maximum allowable under the CBA for interference on Jake McCabe. So for those that were howling for something for Mason Marchment last night, they got something. $5,000 fine. All right, we're going to get on the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning page here coming up in a couple of moments. Uh, pretty emotional game last night, certainly. And we uh, think of Mikhail Sergachev and that awful injury. Uh, Ed and Cena is going to be stopping by for the Tampa Bay Times. But in the meantime, as we go to break, want to remind you, a uh, big thank you to our friends at Pizza Nova for dropping off lunch for the crew today. Just a reminder that today is National Pizza Day. Maddie, did you know that? Today is National Pizza Day. I did not, but so I like celebrate it. celebrate with... All right, so make sure you celebrate appropriately with Pizza Nova and make it a weekend filled with pizza. Make sure to score big with their pizza, chicken wings, wedges, and more to complete your game day feast. Don't wing it and order ahead. Taste the difference with Pizza Nova. We'll hit a break. We'll come back and talk about Tampa. What does the loss of Mikhail Sergachev mean for the Bolts now? The trade deadline and their playoff run. Ed and Cena is going to be stopping by here from the Tampa Bay Times in moments. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're back in a moment. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back to the program. Merrick along with you Monday to Friday starting at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific. Glad to have you aboard today across the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet 360 as well. Uh, well, the headline on the ice was Tampa drops one to the New York Rangers. Final score of 3-1. to one. Uh, The bigger headline is what does Tampa do now without Mikhail Sergachev? Not that they're not used to it. Uh, but this one puts a definite stamp on the fact that he is going to be gone for a long time. Ed Encina joins me now from the Tampa Bay Times for comments on this story and everything else involving the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I always say, Ed, you discount the Tampa Bay Lightning or sell them short at your own peril. Uh, It's a team that I think a lot of people have written off at various times, only to be duped because at the end of it, that's a really good team. But um, first game back, before we get to Sergachev, First game back, we've seen teams show that rust after 10 days. Did you see rust on the bolts last night? Well, not really. I think, you know, what we saw early on, especially in that in that first period, was a team that knew that they're facing a, a Rangers team that had already played a game against a you know, very good Colorado team. And, that you know, that they had, it was very important for them to come out um, and show pace and, mm-hmm. and not really show that, that rust. And I think that's what they did. Um, that first period is really good for them. And, um, you know, it was unfortunate for them that they didn't come away with a goal, you know, still going into that second period scoreless. But I think the one Sergeyev that came went down, I think, you know, just the whole building, you know, kind of went flat. And I think it, it took a lot out of them to get back into the game. And, you know, they made it a one goal game, but, you know, inevitably, you know, they, they really didn't have enough to, to, you know, to score an equalizer than allowed an empty netter. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, just everything, all the emotions of last night took a lot out of them. Um, but like you said, sure. they have played without Mikhail Sergachev, 
um, you know, for 17 games before last night. So um, I guess the unfortunate thing, like you said, is that, you know, no matter what, they were kind of looking forward to his return as this, you know, okay, now we're getting guys healthy and now we're ready for the stretch run. We're playing well. Um, and now, you know, you're kind of looking at uh, a situation where, you know, you, you, if you get him back uh, at any point now, I think, you know, you're, you're looking at a pretty optimistic uh, situation. Yeah, you know, if if you get him back at this point, you have to consider that a bonus. Uh, I think if you're Julian Brisebois, you know, probably, Ed, the first thing you do is look internal. It's like, okay, uh, who do we have in Syracuse that can that can step up right away and, and maybe plug and play here? Um, but, I mean, long term, you're not going to find someone like Sergachev on the market. Um, we all know about Tampa's cap space situation. Like what is, like, what does this team do without him? Like, I remember, you know, when Ryan McDonough was moved to Nashville, one of the reasons why, you know, everyone thought that this would be a sort of, would be seamless and they could, you know, go without Ryan McDonough is because Mikhail Sergachev jumped into that spot. The hospital bracelet's been an issue. Uh, we all know that, but like, what does Tampa do now without one of their top D? Yeah, you're right. And I think. It's tough because you mentioned Ryan McDonough and really, to be honest, the blue line hasn't been the same since they did trade him away. And, you know, a big part of that was because they were so strong um, on that left side with Victor Hedman, McDonough, and, you know, really Mikhail Sergeyev, you know, probably being the best, you know, third left side D, you know, maybe in the game at that point. Right. And, and again, you know, they've given him mm. a, a, a big part of, of the future. You know, he's the highest paid defenseman now. Um, and, you know, on, eight-year, you know, contract, first year, I think of an eight-year contract right now. Um, but I, I do think they, they've been pleasantly surprised with some of the depth that they've had. And, you know, you follow this team for the past several years is some of those guys in, in Syracuse really haven't gotten a chance to crack the lineup because that blue line's been so deep. And, yeah. you know, because of some of the injuries that they've had, whether it's on the left side or the right side, you know, some of these guys, we, we've got a good look at some of these guys. So, um, you know, Emil Lilleberg, who – it was an international signing, a Norwegian guy who played in Sweden, who you know really really didn't know much about. Um, one because you know he was coming over and really hadn't really played much, hadn't played any hockey in North America, and you know he's been really a pleasant surprise. So I think, you know, like you said, they're going to look internally first and you know really kind of see what they have. Um, but I think when you look at at what they need to do upgrading wise, the big question mark for them going into the trade deadline, it is really that that defenseman depth, and not just on the left side. But on the right side as well, because um, you know when you really look at that blue line, it's when you look at NHL experience, it's really you know once they trade McDonough, you know even guys like Nick Perbix and Darren Radish, this, Darren Radish wasn't on this team this time last year. He was still in, in Syracuse. You know Nick Perbix was yep. probably yeah. thirty games under his belt at this time last year. So um, it's still a very young, um, young defensive you know defenseman core, and you know it puts a lot on Victor Edmond right now and. It, Victor Hedman's always been kind of the rock of that of that, you know, group. But right now, you know, he's he's the bona fide guy who's going to have to step up and play big minutes. He's going to have to play big minutes on on the PK now, and along with his you know power mm. play minutes too. So, um, and, and and Hedman's a horse. Obviously, he can he can handle that. But I think when you look at you know, the guy who's, who's going to have to you know take up a lot more, it's, it's probably going to be going to be Victor. Yeah, it's it's true, and you know, uh, complicating things as well. You know, even before the Sergachev injury, I don't think it was a very much of a secret that Tampa was looking for another defenseman, uh, a veteran D. Uh, maybe it would cost them something like a, a Jack Thompson, a younger D for an older D. 
um, right. or another prospect sort of, of of that of that ilk. So you know what turns into a, a hunt for one defenseman now maybe turns into a hunt for two. Uh, okay, making headlines over the weekend. I'm curious how this resonated in Tampa. I'm just going to throw the name out, throw it on the floor, and get your thoughts. You know where I'm going with this one, right? Yeah. You know the name that's coming out here, Nikita so. Kucherov. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so obviously, you know, we all saw what, what happened in the All-Star game up there. And, you know, Nikita is, is, is certainly a, an enigmatic player in, in, in various degrees because he, um, yeah. he, he, he's such a great player, but we really don't know him that much. You know, we really don't know. Um, he, he's very guarded. He, you know, even to us who cover him every day, you know, he doesn't really like to talk to us very much. He, and he really doesn't, uh, really kind of see it as a part of his, you know, a big part of his job that he likes. And so, um, but when, mm. when he did what he did down there, like, I think the, the takedown here was, you know, he's a guy who probably, you know, in that format, you know, he's probably not going to win the fastest skater, no matter what. And, you know, once once he kind of lost the puck off the stick in a couple events, you know, he was probably just going to, you know, skate it out. And the one thing about Nikita, too, is you know, some of that stuff probably doesn't play to his game, to be honest. You know, Nikita Kucherov is at his best when he's slowing the game down. And it's not a, a race against a, a you know, stopwatch or anything like that. So um, I understand completely why everyone was, you know, upset. Um, I think here maybe there was a little bit of amongst the fan base – a little bit of discontent with the fact that, you know, he's our, he, you know, he's the representative that, you know, he should be put on a good show and, and, and stuff like that, because, you know, in down here, people do think, you know, we're down here in Tampa, you know, we don't get the attention with the spotlight, even though they've had that success, it doesn't necessarily shine on this team uh-huh. to, to a degree that, that maybe it does with, with other bigger market teams. So um, I think maybe there was a little bit of, of frustration with that, but at the end of the day in the room, I think, you know, a lot of them kind of maybe got a little bit of chuckle of it because, they're like, you know, that's kind of cooch being cooch, but at the same time, you know, some yeah. of the some of the events that are there are not necessarily really made for him uh in his game, you know. Okay. Um Steven Stamkos. So the last time he was on uh the expiration year of a contract, it was a circus and it was everyday updates. Now, mind you, this is when the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, we're very much in pursuit of Steven Samkos, and everyone thought there was going to be a July 1st marriage between the two sides. But make no mistake about it, like it got a lot of noise. It got a lot of thunder when, when Samkos was on the expiring deal. This time around, Steven Samkos is on an expiring deal. He's still playing excellent hockey, still you know close to or at the top of his game. How come it's not as noisy this time around? Like, Is there an expectation that it's just a mere formality that he's going to sign some type of extension with Tampa, or is there something that we're missing here? I mean, you're, you're right there. You're, you're right there with the team. What can you tell us about Stamkos and his future with Tampa? Well, I, I do think that from day one, and, and obviously Steven expressed his frustrations, you know, before the season started and, you know, he said what he wanted to say. And to be honest, hasn't said much since and wants, you know, to let everything kind of play out at this point, but you know, there's been no, uh, you know, no news on that front, but I do think that there are, there is still a feeling between both sides that they're going to get something done. And I don't necessarily think that like there's, they're to the point where there's, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's. But I think there is a, a, a good sense between, you know, Steven and the team that, 
he does want to be there even more so than you know when his when his last deal came up you know i think that when from covering him right. every day steven does value the the rare ability to be with one team and he has been entrenched in this area and has been you know such a big part of this community that i think that's why his frustrations arose in the first place you know and but i think over the course of this season and understanding you know, maybe more of julian's perspective of this you know with all the cap mm-hmm. wrangling and everything like that that he has to do on a daily basis you know without dealing with the bigger contracts um that that this is something that probably had had to wait in the team's eyes so but i do think there there is a a, a common thought still and probably still was even back in you know september that you know they're going to get right. something done and that Steven Stamkos will, you know, re- remain, you know, lightning player. And obviously the, the caveat that really maybe some people don't necessarily think about with this team is that then you have to ask, ask yourself about Victor Hedman's future because he comes up, you know, the following year, you know, yeah. is it playing yeah. on his last ever deal. So, yeah. you know, it, both of these guys want to stay here and, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's probably the biggest question of it all is like, how can you afford to keep both of these guys? You know, you know Again, both of those guys mm-hmm. want to be here. They, they they've been a part of the good and the bad here, you know. And I think they want to see this whole thing through. You know, putting on another jersey, you know, to, to them just doesn't make sense. Yeah, there's there are some guys. You really get that sense about some guys too. Hey, Ed, where they they don't want their hockey DB to be 17 years of one team, and then the last three years or three are three different teams and a and a couple of trades poked in in the middle too. It's just those those awkward HD, uh, hockey DB pages. Um, exactly. Listen, thanks so much for sharing your expertise. Always appreciate it. Uh, tough loss for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning last night. They're going so good going into the All Star break as well, but uh, the team's too good to be down too long. Thanks as always for stopping by. Much appreciated. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Anytime. There he is. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Tampa Bay Lightning here. Uh, That was Ed Encina from the Tampa Bay Times covering the Tampa Bay Lightning. And as we bring in Maddie Marchese here before our sports interaction feature, you know, I I can't help but wondering, Maddie, when it comes to Tampa, and we haven't really had this conversation much, but because we always just assume that Tampa's going to bounce back and they're going to do something. But this is a team that lost in the first round last year. And having said that, this is a team that's not that far removed from Stanley Cup championships. And I know that it's, and we saw this with the Blackhawks specifically, and it took a long time until the Blackhawks finally said, okay, we got to tear this thing down. Like you just sort of coast on the fumes of your successes. And I'm not saying the Tampa's doing that, but last round's, last year's first round exit kind of gives you your first brief cause for pause. And what if it happens again this year? Like, at what point do we start saying, okay, last year was the mulligan for Tampa, but now we're starting to see, you know, year after year after year, you know, age catches up to everybody as the team has played a lot of hockey. At what point do you start saying, you know what, as much as you might want to try to grab it, that balloon is not coming back. Well, there's also the the conversation, too, about the goaltender and – you know, he's coming off of the surgery. He hasn't had nearly the same season. You start to look at it and go, how many, I don't want to say warts because they're still a really good team, but how much did Andre Vasilevsky cover up for the Tampa Bay Lightning? You could almost make the argument that they were better when he wasn't there because they had to play differently. And you have maybe that false mm-hmm. sense of comfort that he's behind you when he's not playing the same as he did last year. And even last year, his numbers weren't as good as they were in years previous. So that's a question. But 
if yeah. they don't make the playoffs, then we're really having this conversation. Like if they don't make the playoffs, what happens to the decision on Steven Stamkos? And while Julian Brisebois, Julian Brisebois says that Steven Stamkos is going to be a part of this team going forward and will revisit it in the offseason and all that. Guess what? General managers mm-hmm. lie and they say things and, and the information changes and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> and now, and now we, we look at it and say, okay, here's, it's a twofold thing. Do the Tampa Bay lightning want to resign Steven Stamkos? If they look at their roster and go, we can't afford to bring him back at eight or $9 million, whatever the number is. Um, and does Steven Stamkos want to go back there? At the, I think he wants to stay there because that's been his home. He wants to stay, but he wants to stay. But it he takes wants, he wants to stay. It takes two to tango, yeah. right? And if the Lightning say, you know what, we're going in a different direction here, boy, oh boy, I think mm. there'd be a lineup for the services of Steven Stamkos. I'll tell you what, I think we all wondered about this because we saw this with Tampa every year after they would, you know, win the Stanley Cup, they'd have to let go of a couple of players because yeah. of salary cap considerations. And that's just the reality of being successful in the NHL. The two that I really thought, like amongst them all, and there have been plenty that have that have, that have left, the two that I really thought stung Tampa, not to the point of no return, but really weakened them. And Can we just I guess? Ryan McDonough, and I think he's one. Yeah, go ahead. It's McDonough. I was going to say McDonough and Andre Palat's got to be the other one. Andre Palat. Yeah. Yes. Those, those are the two. Mini Hosa, as we used to always call him. Oh, there's Mini Hosa on Tampa. But he is. Like that one. Oh, tough. I, I and think, then Ryan McDonough. I think Alex Kalorn's in that conversation the, like, we look too. back. No, I, I get I get Kalorn like that that type of that that type of toughness as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with those two guys. Here, Alex? How, how many times? How many times at uh, at the draft specifically <laughs> did you think that Alex Kalorn was going to be traded? Like every year? I can year? count like three drafts specifically. Yeah, like we were walking around the floor going like, okay, have they moved Kalorn yet? Are they moved Kalorn yet? Uh, who's going to be? Is it Buffalo well, that picks him up? Even, even the expansion draft. Like, even the expansion so draft, times. Jeff. Yeah. You know, we thought yeah. it was Kalorn or, um, or Gord, right? And it ended up being Yanni Gord. Yes. So I, I think that the two, I, I think Palat and McDonough, those were the two that really caused them to take a knee. Those were, and, and mind you, there were players previous that led up to that point, but those two specific, Maddie, those were th- those were tough ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get into sports interaction here. Here we go. We got a lot of games on the go tonight. Uh, time now for Line Change, presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. A number of games. Let's drill down on one, Matt Marchese. It's, which one's it going to be? It's the Canucks at the Bruins. It's the it's the game of the night for me. Uh, puck line is Bruins minus one and a half. Bruins are five five and one straight up in their last six in Boston against the Canucks and four and two straight up overall in their last six against the Canucks. Vancouver is six and one straight up in their last seven road games. Boston is five and two straight up in their last seven home games. Uh, this should be a fun one. Uh, yes. These two teams going back to 2011, you know, in this past generation, in this generation, you know, we talk about, you know, surfing on the fumes of, of feuds from the past. This one is still burning. Like you talk to Vancouver Canucks fans, they'll still talk to you about the Boston Bruins. And I think that's going to be there. I think that's now hardwired into DNA of every single Vancouver Canucks fan for a long time. And as we mentioned off, you know, the, off the top of the program today, this is going to be an ornery buff, uh, Boston Bruins team that Vancouver faces off against tonight. Like, first of all, full marks for Vancouver opening up their road trip with a victory over the Carolina Hurricanes, that's a hard game coming back. Mm-hmm. 
that's a really, really hard game coming back from break. And, you know, Elias Lindholm was excellent uh, with, with the uh, with the pair of goals. And let's not forget, too, and here's another sidebar, you know, the Boston Bruins were one of those teams that, you know, were either interested in or at least we wondered about their interest in Elias Lindholm. And Vancouver ends up getting him and already one game in. Uh, that fit looks hand-to-glove for the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver is a force. Boston is a force. This is, Maddie the game of the night. And what makes it even spicier is there's no way that Jim Montgomery is going to put up with any type of effort, the likes of which we saw earlier on this week between the Boston Bruins and the Calgary Flames. This will be a much different Bruins team than we saw against the Flames uh, earlier on this week. This one should be dynamite. Uh, You have two teams that are right now midway point of the season, still at the height of their powers, top teams in their division, a couple of the top teams in the NHL. And dare we say, Maddie, allow yourself to get comfortable with this little fantasy. What would happen if this is your Stanley Cup final? (laughs) Riots in Vancouver again? Vancouver... Vancouver or maybe Boston this time around. Who's yeah. to say Boston would win? Yeah. Like, just like let yourself sort of carry, like take this into the afternoon. Like just as you're watching this game tonight or thinking about this game tonight, going into it. What if this is the cup final? Because you can remember how emotional and at times violent and nasty that series in 2011 was. It was one of the best of all time. You know, I've always maintained that 87 Flyers and Oilers was the best that I've ever seen, but Boston Vancouver is right there with them as far as emotion and gameplay as well. Mm-hmm. And these two teams are right back there again. Yep. Just play with this one a little bit in your brain. Vancouver and Boston Stanley Cup final again. Oh, juicy junior. That's really juicy. And that was Line Change presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. That's it for us today. Just a one hour program. Thanks to the regular crew making it all work. Thanks to our guests as well. Merrick Show returns tomorrow. Full Gilligan's Island two-hour tour across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on 360, and wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the remainder of NBA trade deadline day, too. Congratulations. Vlad, he got what he wanted out of the Jays. Way to go, Vlad.